Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore all things assisted reproductive technology and the life-changing stories, as well as those people who work in the area who have fascinating stories of their their own lives and how they became involved. Um, Jen, before we begin, what is your favorite TV show? Uh, favorite or current <laughs> currently watching right now? How's that? Uh, <laughs> Which sure. Way? Um, so at the moment we are binge watching Parks and Rec because I guess we missed it the first time. Uh, and mm. we watch a lot of um, BBC Great British Bake Off because we did used to live in England and oh, we are sure. a little bit addicted to that show as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that's definitely. What about you? Oh, so um, there was a time I could handle like the shows that people love, like Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and uh, what's the Game of Thrones. And then like during the course of my having children, I became a super, super wimp. And I like can't take anything <laughs> like that. So, so like I have to stick to like Project Runway and anything like really light. So that's I'm kind of still in that, that phase, unfortunately. I, I would um, say there's definitely some new things that uh, I've been waiting on, like The Good Place just restarted and I missed it. So now I have to wait. Um, and also relevant for today, I really yeah. did love and I know that they're about to have a season come out soon, uh, Westworld. So, um, and why is that? Why is that relevant to today? I, I have no idea. What could be important here? <laughs> so, no, we actually have had the the distinct and wonderful honor of uh, interviewing Carlando Scott, who was a. I believe a union soldier in season one of Westworld. And yeah, why, why does that have anything to do with assisted reproductive technology? Right. What, what, what could that do? <laughs> um, but he also is an assisted reproductive technology attorney that uh, I know you've had the a chance to meet and uh, I've had the chance to chat at pretty extensively. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So, but, but we'll get to that. So, so who, who are you? Why are you here? I was going to introduce myself. Uh, I am Ellen Trackman. Um, I'm an attorney specialized in assisted reproductive technology law, um, as well as the co-owner of um, a surrogacy agency with you. What? Who are what, you? What surrogacy agency? Who am I? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who are you? <laughs> I'm Jennifer White, the uh, co-director and owner of Colorado Surrogacy, New Mexico Surrogacy, and Montana Surrogacy, my, my favorite places to be. So yeah, no, we definitely, we had a fantastic time talking to Corlandos and really can't wait for you all to hear what how much fun he is. Hi, today we are super excited and honored to have Corlando Scott with us, who the only qualification he has to be here is because he's married to an Auburn fan. And uh, that, that, that's why I allow him to be here. So yeah, everything else about you is less impressive, apparently. That's correct. So, <laughs> that I'm is correct. I'm reminded of that often. I often uh, no, actually, Corlandos is an attorney in the assisted reproductive technology field and also a, an actor, a Hollywood actor. This is awesome. Wow. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fangirl myself right on out. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty impressive combo. What, what can't you do? Right. I think I'm really just acting. Like I'm an assisted reproductive lawyer. Oh, that's what it is. So, so please, Corlandos. Though I, I, I know I introduced you a little bit, but please tell us a little bit about yourself. We'd, we'd like to hear you. 
No, but you know, the funniest thing about it is the Hollywood actors. So to all the other actors out there who don't live in Hollywood, you're just as important. Hollywood actor means nothing. Means nothing except you're in a certain zip code. No, I, uh, man, well, I'm first of all honored to be on with you guys. Uh, it's always awesome to see you guys around the, the assisted reproductive technology circles and see the wonderful things you guys have going on. Not the, the acting world yet, but just wait. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see us on, on set any day now. I'm in high school theater. When uh, you sneak us on. <laughs> listen, you guys should do a movie about surrogacy. Ooh, How awesome would yeah. that be? The life of a surrogacy agency. Ooh, no. I just fell asleep. Uh, wow. <laughs> you la- Listen, have you seen the Amy Poehler, uh, Tina Fey movie? Yes, from- of course. Yes. Yes. Baby Mama? Yes. I love yes, that. I love that. Loved it before I was even in this field. So anyway. Yeah, it's just the reality um, of our life, though. So, you know. <laughs> so, so how did you get to this place of being a combo um actor slash attorney doing it all like where where did it start where it was it was a long windy road so i was seven years no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> at the beginning start the beginning it, it, it really did start early on the whole acting thing happened on a fluke i got in trouble in elementary school and my <laughs> options were see the principal or be santa claus in the school play I was like, I don't know what that means, but I don't want to go see the principal. I know that much. So sign me up. (laughs) And it started from there. But, you know, along the road, you you hear advice, like get something to fall back on, you know, explore other options and that kind of thing. And, you know, by the time I was in college, I started doing mock trials and things like that and thought this this law thing is pretty cool. But all along the way, I was still acting and still doing some local and regional stuff. I'm from the South, uh, as Jennifer mentioned. So so I was doing things locally in the the Alabama, Birmingham, Atlanta, Nashville area. And even when I went to law school, I went to law school. You don't really rock the Southern accent. Is that from acting? That's funny. Maybe it is. That's funny. But my family tells me in the South, my Southern family tells me you don't sound Southern, but my Northern family is like, you sound so Bama. And I don't know. I just, I just go with whatever works. I don't know. Maybe you adjust to where, like who you're talking to and where you are. Maybe I that's do. what it is. Maybe that's that. what it is. If I get really emotional, you'll probably hear it coming out. Oh. You'll definitely hear some y'alls. Now, some y'alls. Now, now we have a goal. Get him emotional. <laughs> right. One tear falling down my, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> I need some fried pickles. <laughs> what? No, no, you don't need fried pickles. It's no, what is that? What is that's that? an Alabama oh, thing. It's an Alabama thing. It's a North Alabama yeah. thing. That's definitely fried it. green tomatoes. It, yeah. Yes, not yeah. only a movie, but a real thing. Yeah, but fry, I have, I'm not really big on the fried pickles. Don't know much about it. Now yeah. I have had a fried Twinkie, which is uh, unbelievable, unbelievably. Uh, caloric and unbelievably delicious, but hey. Oh, gross. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's. Okay. Oh, oh. We made it past I, seven. I, no, wait, I, where are we now? So, yeah. um, so you were into mock trial. You go to college. Um, what do you study? I studied communications, okay. which is the so. probably the most importantly useless degree that one can obtain. Well, it seems like it applies to everything. That seems pretty sure, important. Sure. It applies to everything and nothing at the same time. It's like, I'm going to go out and get a job communicating. <laughs> Wait. 
<laughs> Wait, they don't, that's not a description? Like they don't give out applications for that? Oh, okay. Well, I guess I got to do something else, right? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, I guess I go to law school. Is it? Yeah. Yep. And that's pretty much what it, even political science, it's like, I'm going to come out and polit, okay, I guess I'll go to law school. Pretty much the only other option. So that's what we do. I actually um, worked for about four or five years between uh, undergraduate and law school. I was a, a nuclear reactor operator in a whole different life. Whoa, um, a whole other area expertise. That's impressive. <laughs> oddly enough, is very similar to how it's depicted on The Simpsons. Minus, <laughs> <laughs> minus eating donuts in the control room. It, you know, there is a a big button, a big red button that shuts everything down. It's called wow. the scram button. Did you hit Which that I, occasionally oh, just for fun? I wanted to so badly. But it's not that easy. So two people have to be involved. You both have to like unlock this thing and you have to both turn the key. And then you, you know, so there's a lot of stuff involved, but there is an actual big red button that's labeled scram. And when I first saw the word scram, S-C-R-A-M, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like we hit this and run or <laughs> what? <laughs> but it stands for something crazy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a fun time. But I was like, uh, I just never saw my life kind of going like this. And uh, about four years into that, How do transition you, being a communications major, you're like, yeah, I'll go work with a nuclear reactor. That sounds... That sounds natural. That sounds like communicative. Communicative. Listen, yeah. <laughs> my life is an assortment of crazy adventures that I never have <laughs> planned on. But I was uh, I was working summers in D.C. Uh, and I was working you know, on Capitol Hill and I put applications all over the place. I was like, well, I apply to law school. I'll get a job on the Hill and, you know, everything will be great. I'll do a year up here. Then I'll go to law school. Well, lo and behold, the Department of Energy calls me back and they were like, hey, uh, we see you're from Alabama. Would you be willing to come in and test for this program we're starting? At? Uh-huh. Um, and it was very, very like cloak and dagger. It was very hush, mm. hush. And uh-huh. I didn't know what it was, but I was like, sure. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Men in Black, the first one where yes. Will Smith goes into this room full of other guys and they're taking this test and people are behind glass watching them. It felt like that. Like the test had all kind of, like sciencey stuff and physics and I'm reaching way back in my undergrad. Like, I guess this is what the answer is. So literally I, I think I put all C's down and. <laughs> and then that's the point, that's the point they reveal to you that aliens are real. They're among us. And, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. And radiation caused it all. But no, so long story short, they, they called me back and said, you passed the, the examination. We want to bring you and interview you. It's for, um, a training for nuclear reactor operators. So I did two years of nuclear reactor operating training. So you'll be glad to know they didn't bring me in fresh off the street and put <laughs> oh, okay. me by the big red button. Hit the button, yeah. <laughs> so I trained for two years and then worked, you know, in the nuclear plant for another two, two and a half years. Wow. All right. So, so that was fun. But I, I, I thought to myself, I think I want to have kids and studies haven't shown for sure, but I think this radiation might be doing mm. something to me. So I think I'm out of this field. And, <laughs> <laughs> which, oddly enough, you know, three or four steps later gets me to where I am now and while we're on the uh, on the podcast episode together. But I go to law school in Michigan. You know, I'm still uh, working on on getting that law degree. Uh, All the while, I'm auditioning and booking jobs in the Detroit area for commercials and TV and still can't get away from the acting. And I tell myself, all right, once I finish law school, I I, I can't go back to Alabama. I'm going to go to L.A. and somehow I'm going to figure out what's going to happen. We'll, We'll combine my, 
you know, desire for the law with my desire for acting. And maybe I'll do some entertainment law or I'll still act or we'll produce or something. But yeah. Let's go to L.A. It's it's the Mecca for entertainment. So that's how I land in L.A. And uh, my first job out here was in the legal department of the Producers Guild of America and really enjoyed it. We got to work with producers and got to kind of see behind the scenes what they do day in and day out. Got to help uh, the guild with its awards uh, process and all that kind of stuff. So ooh, got to see ooh, behind the scenes. That's exciting. Yeah. It, it was. <laughs> it's really cool to see these the people who make the movies and how they qualify to be the ones that walk up on stage and yeah. accept the awards that you see, uh, you know, at the Academy Awards and stuff. And is it all rigged? It's all right. <laughs> by the well, aliens, there's, there's, I assume. There's, de- there's definitely a system by the irradiated aliens, but uh, <laughs> but, but no, there's a method to the madness. And we we'll see how many Thanks conspiracy for... theories I can like slip into this episode. Right, right, right. right. Just just keep them coming, yeah. keep them coming. But, uh, that was cool. But I knew I wanted to work in private practice all along, and I told myself like, okay, just like with the the whole nuclear thing, give yourself some time and kind of have an exit strategy. And I thought. After uh, a year or so, I was like, this is it. I want to go back into private practice. And I met someone who had a relative who owned a law firm. He was looking for associate attorneys. And they said, you should contact him. So I reached out to that law firm and got an interview, walked in and, you know, sat at the table. And they asked me about what I did. I told them all about the I'm using huge air quotes here, the exciting entertainment law stuff, (laughs) because it's so boring. You think like Hollywood, it's like bunches of contracts and contracts and contracts. But uh, I was like, where's the red carpet? They're like, no, go read a contract. I'm like, (laughs) ah. So anyway, I'm at this interview and I'm um, explaining this stuff to them. And they said, well, we really like you, but if you came here, you'd have to do what our firm does. And that's assisted reproductive technologies. And did you know what that was? Only because I looked at their website like five minutes before I walked <laughs> in the interview. <laughs> and so like, you know, being the, the great, you know, communications undergrad I was, I said, oh, you mean surrogacy? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you know, I was like, please don't ask me anything. Please don't ask me anything else. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, lo and behold, they were like, yeah, that's it. They explained to me a little bit about what it was and asked how I felt about certain areas and aspects of it. And um, and somehow I landed the job, started working, and the rest is history. I fell in love with this practice area, with this industry, with uh, with what it does. And I knew that even if I left that firm, which I eventually did with their blessing, thankfully, and went out on my own, I would still want to practice assisted reproductive yeah. technologies. So and are you still mind. acting during this time that you're working in a firm? I am. I am. So I'm, I'm. They're a very understanding employer. Well, here's the thing. They're amazing people first and then they're amazing lawyers and then they're amazing employers. Uh, But at the, at the end of the day though, there's still employers who have to run a business and turn a profit or they can't serve any more clients eventually. So, so they were very understanding. They let me work, you know, in, in somewhat of a flexible capacity. I couldn't do everything I wanted to do, but there were certain times where I could, uh, you know, make the, the, entertainment and acting thing work and I was able to make up work and and thankfully with inter- with assisted reproduction a lot of it is um, transactional now, now this firm was one of the very few firms in the industry that actually did litigation they went to court and and fought 
cases that resulted right. from assisted reproduction, unlike lots of attorneys who only do the contract, but the bulk of it was contract work. So, you know, you can do contract work at one in the morning and just make right. sure it's ready for the, uh, the for the rest of the day. So I was able to work, you know, did a few indie projects, uh, shot some TV episodes and, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Cool. So you eventually, so you stayed there for a few years, but then you, right. you, made, the, you made the leap though, right? I made the leap. Um, <laughs> it was a handful of years. And, and, the, and the peculiar thing about it was, I say peculiar, but it was really refreshing looking back. You know, they actually mentioned it to me and that's what let me know that they're, you know, really, really great people. But they said they believed in me. They, they said, we see what you're doing. We see your maturation over the last handful of years. You're a great attorney. And we think you're ready. You know, oh, if, if, if you ever wow. wanted to go out on your own, you know, we would support you and uh, we, we would support that decision. Now, imagine your boss telling That's you that. That's an amazing though. boss. <laughs> well, first it, it's amazing. How bad do you think I am? Are you trying to get rid of me? Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was my first instinct. I was like, Jen wait. Jen suggests it to me all the time, but not, not in that supportive tone. Leave. Yeah. You should leave, Ellen. You should yeah. leave. No. I think you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> like, really, I've packed your box. You're ready. Exactly. But, but no, I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting fired. This is the nicest firing I've ever heard of. Like, <laughs> I am literally packing wow. my bed as I as I uh, hear this conversation. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I just kind of let it go. And a few months later, they came back and was like, did you consider what we talked about? <sighs> and I said, yes, but uh, I mean, I'm very happy here. And, uh, <laughs> they're like, no, man, we, we'll have you forever. But, you know, we think we think you're ready. And so that's kind of it was a push I needed to, to really uh, jump out there on my own. And uh, and they lived up to their word. They've been supportive. Every phone call I've made, every question I've had, they've they've been there the whole time. So it's been great. But you know, it's it's and you guys know from from running your own organization that it's a, a different level of responsibility that you feel and a different um, a, a different level of help that you can offer a client when when you're kind of at the reins of things. And, and so that's been one of the satisfying things for me is being able to to put kind of my imprint on how I think the practice should be and services that I think should be offered. So it's been really, yeah. really, really fun. And how do you, how do you balance it now? How much is acting? How much of it is running the firm? <laughs> it's, uh, well, how much is sleep? Do, do you sleep Thank ever? You. What is, wait, <laughs> sleep. What is, I've, I think uh, I've heard of that. What is that? Is that like, <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure that. I'll tell you when I figure that out. But, uh, but no, I wish someone had told me how much of running a business is running a business and not doing the work. So there's doing the work, but then there's running the business. So that was that was year one, kind of figuring that whole thing out. How do I balance the work with the business? But uh, once once I kind of found a groove there, it's it's been a lot of fun. And much like the rest of my crazy, wacky uh, Alabama to Michigan to nuclear to D.C. to L.A. to surrogacy, I, I'm kind of just just a part of it is winging it. And uh, that's what I've been doing with regards to the entertainment part. I'd probably say right now, entertainment law side of my practice is about only 10 percent. And it's only 10 percent because if you think surrogacy is a long process from from match to delivery uh a, a film production is three babies long <laughs> it's uh <laughs> you know you you find a cool story oh i found this i like story. that measurement three babies <laughs> three so babies oh i measure everything in babies now um you work for the firm <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely 
you know, we have three firm goals, and I think it'll take half a baby to get there if we just. <laughs> I'm like, babe, let's save for for a new car. I think in two babies yes. we should be able to make it happen. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But uh. And um, but, uh, but you're also still not aside from entertainment law, you're still acting. On the I side. am. And can I we am. can we drop some names of some projects you've been in? Or, <laughs> or, so what have sure. what have you been um, in? Uh, well, I'll say this: something that you've never heard of before. I say like something you've heard oh, of okay. because it, I felt like it was my and to use this theme throughout is my baby. Uh, the first project that I produced and starred in is a project that's probably the most overlooked Oscar nomination of all time. Oh. It's called <laughs> At least you know about the awards and how to get in there, right? Right. That, you know, I should have you used like that slip to my a name advantage. in. <laughs> I should yeah. have. I should have. I should have been like, hey guys, you wanna take a look at this one? No, but it's called Hey Ride Two. And uh okay. it it's if you like thrillers and it's horror, not right? supernatural. It's kinda horror ish, but more thriller than horror, then you probably may or may not like it i don't know but uh but it was fun because i got to to for me producing is the combination of my lawyer brain and my actor brain coming together to like be able to do the business side and the art side of a project so i'm learning that like i really like producing so that's are you that's another fun side i am because I have to tell I you, am. I look at the I IMDb thing, and the, my thought that the thought that crossed my mind was like, "Oh, he's in Hayride Two. That's great. He must have survived Hayride One." <laughs> You'll have to see. <laughs> I guess unless you're like undead in Hayride Two, I guess I that's say, that's maybe possible. zombies. You know, you have no idea. I so can't spoil it for yeah. you. Like, come on, guys, okay. get with it. Okay. But um, I guess most relevant, most recently, was. Uh, Westworld, I was I was on Westworld, which is a really man. That is a crazy, crazy show. Which also, it was never revealed whether I was a host, which is a like robot android thingy or not. So even if I died, there's always fingers crossed that I'll be back in season three. But but that was an amazing experience. It was really cool. It's probably the biggest set I've ever been on, and um, the people I met were amazing and i did get to meet sir anthony and it was an amazing experience who was like mr hopkins right well well, right so that's that's exactly so the crazy story there was that's exactly how i approached him like so sir hopkins uh, how be thou (laughs) 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 and no one addresses me like that jen can you work on that Uh, I'll work on that. I was I was thinking about doing it, but I was like, mm, you know what? I, I probably should back off it a little bit. No, but he was so like, no, Tony. And I was like, Sir, Sir Tony, call you Sir Tony. He's like, just Tony. I was like, oh, okay, Mister Tony. <laughs> I'm gonna go back over here to my chair and sit down because I don't want to ruin this anymore. Yeah, but, uh, but it is an That's amazing awesome. experience. Really cool. That's wow, amazing. So, and have you? So I know you have to have. Oh, oh, so have you worked on some high-profile clients on the other? So back to the lawyer side. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, have you had some high-profile clients on that side too? Definitely. Sure, of course, of course. And I'll and I'll say this: you can just the, speak at Pig Latin, like So the the firm that I cut my teeth on this whole side of of law on. Uh, 
I was fortunate enough to, to land a job with them. And I didn't know what it meant when I started with them, but I soon learned that they were, they're one of the industry leaders on the legal side of things. In fact, they helped write the actual legislation for the state of California that addresses assisted reproduction. So like they were in on the ground floor, you know, when this thing first really got started. So being able to work there, I not only feel like I had the best education I could on how to be a good um, surrogacy lawyer, but I got to see behind the scenes with some of the guys who were doing some of the, the biggest work, some of the most cutting edge work, some of the highest profile cases representing intended parents and surrogates, and also, you know, litigating the cases that went horribly wrong. So uh, even there, I saw so many high profile cases from royalty to celebrities to this and that. And it's, um, it, it, I almost got jaded to the point where like, oh, it's another oh, regular celebrity. person. Right, right, right. Or, or no, the, the worst oh, was, and, and I even, I cringe to even admit this, but you get a celebrity who, and listen, all celebrities think they're the biggest celebrity of all time. <laughs> sure. Um, me included. Have yeah. you seen Hey Ride too? <laughs> but honestly, and, and they like, you know, we want to use these aliases and, and this and that. And, and you're like, but who, wait, who are you? Not, not, but I really don't know so that I let me know so that I can help you. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because you see that, but at the same time, they have legitimate concerns. And that was one of the things that I thought was, was most, uh, eye opening is that when you're doing a, a, a process that's so private and so personal as growing your family through surrogacy, through egg donation or embryo donation or any of the assisted reproductive technologies, um, you're already on edge enough. And there's so many factors that are outside of your control that one of your desires is just to grab some control wherever you can. So multiply that times the fact that you may be tabloid fodder or that you may be followed by paparazzi or that, you know, people have an interest, healthy or, or unhealthy, in your life and what you do. And it's just super nerve wracking. So it people are, or attorneys also are called counselors, but I never understood why until I started practicing this side of law. You honestly have to counsel your clients and help them through the, um, and I'm not meaning the technical mental health aspect, but some of the, the mindsets of the, yeah, yeah. So, so you're playing like (laughs) armchair psychologist sometimes. And this is an aside, please, anybody going through assisted reproductive technologies, please see a mental health professional, please, please, please get counseling. But you know, your attorney should also be able to be familiar and your agency should be familiar with some of the some of the ups and downs that you're going to experience and kind of help you you walk through those things. But it was interesting to have to usher people through the back door of the courthouse and hear those stories about getting, you know, parking in the in the judge's lot and that kind of thing, just so that you can make sure that it doesn't turn into a circus um, when these people are trying to do something that's probably one of the most important things they'll ever do outside of, you know, getting married or, or that kind of thing. And so, so did they put a lot of those security things like in the actual contracts, like they had to be negotiated as to how, how those things would take place? Not necessarily. There's always there's always a confidentiality and privacy part of any contract, whether you're, you know, the Sultan of Brunei or whether you're Jenny from the block, (laughs) you're you're going to have those kind of things in your contract. But uh, with with a lot of the celebrity cases, you're also going to have separate non-disclosure agreements also with we call them 
liquidated damages or predetermined amounts that you're going to have to pay if you violate this term. So it's going to hurt me to the tune of $5 million if you disclose my identity and you agree that if that happens, you will pay me that amount no matter what. So there's there's those kinds of things. But with the the security and just the day-to-day, we typically play that by ear. So my most recent crazy case was I was on the surrogate side of things. So I represented the surrogate and about halfway through the pregnancy, you know, we get a call that there's a certain tabloid show Mm -hmm. that learned about the surrogacy and they're going to run the story. They actually did us the courtesy of reaching out to us beforehand, telling us that we plan on running the story. What can you confirm or deny? Mm -hmm. And I can neither confirm nor deny that I represent anyone. So I I can't tell you any of that stuff, but I, I would ask, out of respect for the industry, and you're using all these crazy terms, and you know they know that right. you're the guy, but out of respect for this industry and these people in general that you not run the story and this and that, yeah. and they're like, well, we're going to run it, but we'll let you, we'll give you a couple days lead, but after that, we have to run it because, of course, we're racing against this tabloid and that tabloid to be the first to announce it. Um, so that same TV show calls back and says, also got a heads up that this magazine, this publication is going to run the story, and I think they're going to going to um, publish a photo of what is or is not your client. So now I'm jumping on and I'm writing cease and desist letters to the tabloids and the publications and I'm getting thrown to this. And and you know that these, whenever you see Madison Avenue on the letterhead (laughs) for the company, you know they have an entire staff of attorneys and and outside counsel and all that stuff. But as the, the little old surrogates attorney, you still have to, you know, buckle down and go to war, so to speak, because you think back on cases like I think it was, uh, oh, I'm Sarah Jessica Parker's surrogate, you know, and and what she went through when that surrogacy was announced, and she ends up losing the baby oh and that gosh. kind of what thing. Did, and, do you and, mind telling people? I don't think a lot of people know what happened there. I say we don't know. And, and I don't know many of the details, but I, what I do know is that it became public knowledge, and and she did endure some harassment by paparazzi, oh, and it wow. became just one of those stories. And this was one of the early celebrity stories. I think now. People are a little more aware and used to hearing about surrogates yeah. for you know celebrities and people, and a lot of a lot more celebrities are open about uh, infertility and about the the challenge and struggle to become parents. Sometimes, especially when you and I have so much respect for the women who put their careers you know first and that they're they're uh, building their career and their life and just naturally it's, it's a function of biology. The longer you wait, the more difficult it becomes, and that's that's what happens. And so. Uh, it, it's more vocal now and people are more aware of it. But back then, I don't think people were as aware. So it was a huge deal and they endured the harassment and all that. And was the baby lost because of the extra stress? I'm not sure. And, and I don't know if, if it was ever determined with any degree of medical certainty whether that was the case. But, you know, so it, it happened. Yeah. Right. And so we want to avoid that. Um, and, and so... W- we were able to get things pushed back and their attorneys and the company agreed that they would blur out her face. And I'm throwing every statute in the book I can and, and HIPAA violations and all that, everything I can think of, because it's, it's at, at that point, you're thinking like, this is somebody's life. It's yeah. not only, it's not only a case that I'm working among other cases, but like, this is a woman who has kids and a, and a family okay, and that's She's the part that to, to me instantly. I was like, she has kids that you know, are going to be bugging her. Absolutely. Yeah. 
and and I'm getting phone calls like, hey, there was this weird person following me outside of the playground where I was. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, you're not just being kind of paranoid, are you? They were like, no, well, a camera was hanging out the car. And I'm like, mm, okay, you're serious. And then a couple days later, you see a photo at the, you know, wherever they were. And, you know, and that's, and you're like, okay, this, this is serious. So then you liaise, I love using terms like that because it makes me feel like I'm like in a spy movie. You liaise with, with the intended parents, uh, you know, security team. And I guess the craziest I've seen is, is like decoy cars, you know, at, at the, at the hotel that there's one that leaves and goes to the hospital. And then there's another that, that comes later on with the actual surrogate in it. And it's unmarked. And I'm like, unmarked, like, unmarked police cars and they're like yes sir and i'm like okay i'm not going to ask any more questions but sure (laughs) but um but that really helped me understand not only how important it was uh to my client but that the intended parents understood how important it was um that the surrogate be protected as well and and when i see that kind of relationship it it lets me know that okay this is going to work out like even though we're at the the 11th hour anyway like this was a healthy relationship they both respected each other um, to the nth degree. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. That's why it's, what you guys do is so amazing to me because you match. And I always tell clients that come to me before they have an agency, that is so important. The matching, the matching and make sure you actually match with this other person. Well, I was just thinking for the celebrity angle, that's, that's hard for a gestational carrier who's already going through so much to be a surrogate to say, and would you be comfortable with this whole other level of complication of your privacy possibly being violated where people are at this information? That's a whole interesting different aspect to it. It is. And I think the general public doesn't realize um, what all goes into it, to it on that end, on the front side, because, for instance, the surrogate I'm thinking of now, she had been a surrogate, I think, twice before. And so this was her third surrogacy. So she had represented or, or, you know, worked with intended parents who were not celebrities. And when the stories came out, you know, it was, oh, she's going, she's, she wanted to carry this celebrity's baby, not knowing that she didn't know the celebrity. She didn't know who it was when she decided to sign up. She decided, she looked at the profile, the generic profile she got. And then afterwards, after the NDAs and all those things was, were signed, uh, then she had an opportunity to find out who it was and decide at that point whether you're still willing to go forward. That's so interesting. And so she had already committed. How, um, how, like, how, how does a profile look? It's just like, oh, I've heterosexual. It's, it's so, right, right. Like, um, like, I've, what I've happens to be a rapper? <laughs> so my day job is this thing called film. <laughs> right. So I president this country. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, no, but, you know, and I, th- I think mostly with that, and I wasn't uh, intricately involved on the match end of things, but what I understood it to be was um, it, it talked about their background, their upbringing, uh, sort of the things that were important to them. I didn't get into much detail about what they did for a living and that kind of thing, but just kind of talked about their hopes, dreams, aspirations, background, and kind of that kind of thing. And she was like, Which are really I can, yeah, yeah I, I can get with that. I can really get with that because we feel the same way. So That's awesome. That's, yeah, no, the whole thing. Like, it's a, diff, a whole new, like, I'm sitting here, like, wrapping my head around, like, you know, how also, like, as a gestational carrier, like, you know, I always encourage both sides when we're creating a match. Like, if any doubt, you, you know, walk away. But, like, 
do you, would you as a gestational carrier feel a little starstruck at that point? And you're like, oh, I should do this just because it would be exciting. Or, you know, like <laughs> some, sometimes people make decisions based off of, you know, brash emotion that they don't think through the ramifications of it. So right. I'm like, that's a really secondary thing to, to think about, too. And we had those conversations up front. We said, listen, now your, your privacy is definitely um, – could definitely be placed in jeopardy at some point. So would you be okay with that? And we actually, and when I represent surrogates, I try to paint scenarios. So in addition to going through the contract and looking at the black and white terms, this is a breach and this is what breach means and blah, blah, blah. Let's paint some scenarios. So what if X, Y, and Z happen? Would you be willing to reduce in that circumstance? Well, what if it's not necessarily that circumstance, but it's just this circumstance, which you reduce then? All right, what if you knew the paparazzi were going to be stalking you on a week-to-week basis, uh, but knowing that you'd be kept safe, would you still do it then? Would you do it if, if people were publishing false stories about you in the media and you couldn't do anything about it? Would you? And so we walked through these things and she said, wow, I never, hearing it now, I can prepare myself for it and I believe I can do it. But had we not had this conversation and it was sprung on me, I'm not sure how I would have reacted, not even knowing to expect it. So that's part of the, that's part of that Count, preliminary stages. That, there you go. That's, that's part of the, the counseling. But for the starstruck part, it was very funny because we had a conversation and I had a surrogate one time say, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of this person's. Uh, and she was about to go meet them for the first time in person. And she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, just say just that. Say, would you mind giving me you know, a minute and a half to just let you know, I'm a fan. This is kind of, this is a little, this is a little intimidating. I really love what you do. And yeah. And she said, oh, I can do that. I'm like, absolutely. You you have to know that she knows and he knows (laughs) that they're, that they're, you know, public figures. So, so just, I was like, I think it'll go over better. So she did that. She said, and it was a big laugh at the beginning. After that, the nerves calmed down and they had a normal human to human conversation. And ever since then, the text messages and phone calls were just like talking to an old friend. Mm, that's good so, advice because you just get it out. You're not like hiding yeah, that. Like, oh, should I tell Let's her? Do I tell right? her? Do I not tell her? Yeah. Although whatever you do, don't call her Sir Hopkins. <laughs> just... <laughs> I can tell you from experience, it doesn't work. Do you yeah, have funny. any favorite favorite case stories? Any favorite stories working in this area? Um, I think that every case I have is a favorite case story, especially when, you know, we have a successful uh, live birth. Um, so I, 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 it never gets old for me. It never really gets old. And probably even more so because I have two young, you know, children myself. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Wow. So I'm still so Balancing close to Balancing everything, that. acting, right, owning right, a farm, right. having two young kids. <laughs> even less sweet. You, yeah. I'm, wow. I'm bottle feeding right now. You just don't even know it. <laughs> and every time your client has a baby, do you want another child? Is that a problem? That, well. Because I have four yes, and it's a know. serious problem. Right? Like, oh, God, stop. Like, like, more, okay. <laughs> well, yes, until I'm reminded of like that first three months and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I love sleep way too much, way too much. But, uh, you know, a lot of stories are really moving, especially the ones where you have clients who have tried and tried and tried. And you guys know this as well as I do, but I, every client I see, unless it's a single male 
um, or, you know, a same-sex couple. And even sometimes in those instances, by the time they talk to me, they have tried everything. Everything. They've spent so much money. They've, you know, subscribed to so many newsletters and they followed everybody's advice and even the wives' tales and all those crazy things. And they've just finally settled on this. And so I have to recognize often that I'm dealing with clients who not only have never gone through the process, you know, it's one thing for me, I see this every single day, but you've never looked at a surrogacy contractor. You've never talked to a gestational carrier, but you've done, you've also done everything you possibly can. And you're coming to me with a lot of, for lack of a better phrase, baggage about family formation and growing your family. Uh, So it's really rewarding to me when I see that couple or that individual who, you know, has tried and tried and they're down to their last embryo. They may have had a cycle or two that didn't work out. And, you know, they're trembling because the transfer took and now we're we're th- through the first trimester yeah. and we're filing finalization paperwork and yeah. oh delivery day is coming. What do, do I take a bag to the hospital? I'm like, yes, you also take a bag to the hospital. <laughs> oh. and, and they're like, oh, oh. I remember um I had a a single male intended parent and he was having twins. And I, I, I was like, hats off to you. Yes. You know what you're doing, oh, wow. right? He says, I think yeah. so. And he had, he had a support system. He had help and, and that kind of thing. But I remember uh, him writing me and saying, you know, I have my two beautiful girls and they handed them to me at the hospital and I couldn't help but think, wait, it's all on me now. And I was like, <laughs> brother, I know the feeling, <laughs> but, uh, but man, it warms my heart to see, uh, you know, cases like his and others where they have, you know, tried everything down to the last embryo and, and it works. And it's like, man, that's why I do it. That's why I do it. Right. Right. Do you, I say, you know, I don't want to, I'm like, I like happy stories, but sometimes do you have any sad stories too? I mean, that's, that's the, the hard part is that, you know, there's a reality to this yeah. too. That, thanks Jen. What a downer I, you are. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right? oh. I know. I'm always the jerk. I always am the one who ruins nope. the party. Got it. So now you're gonna let you're gonna let people in on the secret that is not magic, and we can't really perform miracles. I mean, uh, uh. I do perform, I do perform miracles, but not every day, and I'm not in control of everything. And sometimes I have to remind myself, after but many, I am not. Yeah, and sometimes Listen, after many sad stories. I, and, and it's funny because. We talked, I talked about control early on and, you know, there's so many things outside the control of intended parents that oftentimes I've, I've worked with intended parents and surrogates where the relationship seems a little overbearing or a little much. And it's like, I'm getting text every 20 minutes. Is this the way it's supposed to be? And it's like, no, it's not. Let's figure out a way to, to regulate it and, and monitor it. But what you have to understand my favorite gestational carrier is that what you're carrying inside you is every hope and dream and last dollar that this woman or this man or this couple has. And so if you can imagine, especially in international cases, if you can imagine giving, you know, you have a pot of gold under your bed and you give it to somebody 10,000 miles away and they're telling you they're going to watch over it for you and give it back to you and like double it for you. Like can, you can imagine how nerve wracking that could be to be like, I can't see them. Are they really going to double it? Are they really going to give it back to me better than I gave it to them? And, and so you have those. Um, but as much control as goes into it, I have to remind clients that no, we're not miracle workers. We're not mother nature. We're not God. We're not whoever it is you believe makes babies come alive. We're not those people 
people or that person. So what all we can do is exactly what um, the doctor recommends and what's you know legally safe and sound, and the rest is out of our control. Um, the worst, I guess, my worst days are when I get that call that you know a transfer didn't take, and even worse mm-hmm. when I get the call that the surrogates lost. Uh, a baby. And it seems to always happen to the nicest, Mm. sweetest, you know, couldn't be easier clients. And, you know, it it absolutely uh, breaks my heart to know that at the end of the day, it is still a challenge. Um, I guess my absolute worst though, my without question at all case was, I think it was 20, we're in 2018, maybe it was 2017, or maybe it was e- even earlier this year. It kind of runs together for me. But out of the 100 and I don't know, 50,000 uh, successful surrogacy births that's happened since 1978, there's only been about three or four that I know of, um, you know, pregnancy-related deaths. And I was oh. I was a part of one of them, you know, last year, and where it was a your, scenario your where client died. Right, oh right. Well, God. clients, sir, clients, gestational carrier. Wow. Uh, passed, and so it was one of those scenarios where it was an amazing birth, you know, easy birth even, and there were complications that happened uh, about a week later, and uh, she passed away, and and I'm not sure that they even were able to pinpoint exactly what it was, wow. if it was completely surrogacy related or pregnancy related or not even. Uh, it could have been another issue altogether. Uh, it's heartbreaking. But, but it's absolutely heartbreaking. And it doesn't give us any more comfort to know that, you know, gestational carriers are no less at risk than any pregnant woman who ever carried a baby. You know, just because you're a gestational carrier doesn't lessen the normal, natural risks of pregnancy for you. Um, it, it probably means that you carry pregnancies easier than others, but it doesn't mean that you're more immune to uh, to the risk than other people. The thing that I didn't see coming though, guys, is the psychological effects on the intended parents, because you have this really weird uh, dichotomy where you're so excited about the best thing that's ever happened to you in, you know, growing your family and having this beautiful baby contrasted with this absolutely horrible event of losing the woman who carried your baby. And not knowing how much of a role you played in that or didn't play in that. And would she still be alive if she wasn't your gestational carrier and coping with the possible guilt of that, but knowing that there was nothing that you did or or, or didn't do to make it happen. And I just didn't see that part coming and, and to talk to the intended parents and to see their heart go out for her family. uh, Man, I, I, I honestly have to, I can't talk about it too much because it, right. it, it... Well, and this was it, someone it really special to them. I'm sure they were close going through this together and this woman gave the greatest gift ever to them. I mean, I can't... Absolutely. Incredibly care Absolutely. for her. And once again, it's one of those situations where these clients were just amazing people and they were the ones who would gift out of the blue, just, hey, we thought about you and, and wanted to send you a, a gift card for a massage, you know, because we know you're probably a little tense right now because we are that kind of thing and and it's ah yeah yeah you know it's one of those things that you don't see coming but it also speaks to um the heart of the amazing women who embark on this journey of of, a, of being a gestational carrier and 
for them to know, and they've spoken to their doctors, and you know, any any good gestational carrier at a good agency with with good professionals around her, she's talked about the risks, she's understood the risks. By the time she signs that contract, she's fully aware of it. But to do that in the to proceed in the face of knowing those things just speaks to the type of women it takes to uh, to go through this process. And, and hats off to to every woman who's ever carried a baby for someone else. What an amazing thing. Absolutely. Knowing the risk is actually real in there. Well, Mr. Scott, um, we we were too nervous to tell you, Mr. Scott, we were too nervous at the beginning to tell you what fans we are of you and that you came on and we're willing to to share all of this with us. We we are incredibly appreciative and um, yeah, so thankful. Well, listen, no, just call me Tony. First of all, let's get that out of the way. Just call me Tony. <laughs> no, guys, it's been it's been a blast. And I love what you're doing. It's so awesome to see people demystify the process for for intended parents and just just the public in general. So I love that you guys have this amazing podcast and this, you know, outlet to uh, to kind of share with the world what we do. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. See, <laughs> thank we got, you. We got a yes, I'll, I'll will you sign my microphone or something, please? <laughs> I will. I will. Totally. Yeah. No, thank you so much. We really appreciate awesome. it. It's been a blast. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Good luck with everything. Lesson of the day. I, you know, as kids, we are told, we are asked, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I feel like the lesson I have learned from talking to Corlandos is you don't have to choose one. You can just do it all. Like, yeah, I'll be an actor and an attorney and a nuclear, whatever, I forgot what he was, nuclear something. Like, you can just do all of it and that's fine and you can make it work. So I still can aspire to hit the scram button is what you're saying. Yes, you can. It's not too late. Not too late. can I just have a personal scram button that means I can leave whenever I want? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So actually, I will say, you know, as I love to segue with weird puns and all that stuff, but uh, we are going to scram a little bit uh, so that for people who care or notice, uh, we are going to take a few weeks break because we have a few conferences coming up and things like that that just make it a little harder to record. And also, you know, it, it's, it's good for us to take a little bit of a break and, and reset. So if, if you miss us... We will be back. We promise it's just going to be a few weeks. Um, So as always, thank you so much to Chris at Work at Bird Studios, who makes us sound fabulous. Uh, For anybody who's inclined while we are on our break, go to iTunes and uh, definitely leave us a review. So thanks so much. Thanks.